This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. your weekly pod going to the heart of all things Saints FC. Despite this weekend's postponement in the FA Cup, and just briefly, obviously we send our best wishes to those affected at Shrewsbury and everywhere else, of course, we're back for another hour or so of unadulterated Saints chat. With no game to review, having covered Liverpool off midweek in TSB 143B, if you've not caught up yet, we've instead thrown the first half agenda over to our wonderful TSP patrons. So we're going to start by answering some of their questions covering everything from the January transfer window and Danny Ng's contract latest to lockdown movie and or book recommendations and preferred pre-game watering holes. Ah, oh, those were the days. To lighten the mood a little, we also have some of our favourite 2020-21 outtakes from TSP so far this season with a common theme running through them, some questionable hosting. Lastly, it is back to football and Premier League action. Subject to any further COVID-related issues, Saints are set to travel to the King Power next Saturday evening so we'll also preview that game with Brendan Rogers, Vardy, etc. To assist with all of the above, it's the TSP version of ZZ Top, in that there's three of them. It's Steve Grant, Glenda LaCour, and head of the Sean Wally fan club, the Athletics' Dan Sheldon. Evening, chaps. Evening. Evening. Glenn, you must remember ZZ Top. Yeah, yeah, up until a few days ago, I was going going for it in the beard stakes as well, but, um, but I've, I've trimmed that down now, so uh, I do remember ZZ Top. Of course I do. I, I assume your chin must be really cold now. It, it, yeah, it is. You know, it's like when you get an accidentally very short haircut. <laughs> so it's, 
it is a little bit like that, but uh, I, I will get used to it. It's taken years off me. I can imagine, yeah. Do you know, I'm glad you brought that up, Glenn, actually, because there's uh, an interesting ZZ uh, Top fact that someone told me a while ago, and I, I suppose I could say to our listeners that you could share it with your mates in the pub if you wanted to, but obviously that's uh, not going to happen. But I assume you, you guys probably know, Dan, obviously, Wayne, that uh, there was obviously three of them in ZZ Top, two of them had long beards, and I had to look up their names, actually, Billy Gibbons and Dusty Hill, and the only one that didn't have a beard, what was his name? Frank Beard. Frank Beard, there you go, you see, that's interesting. Drummer. yeah. It's amazing that's what you learn on this podcast, isn't it? In- that's interesting if you're not a child of the 80s. That was, that's like the oldest joke anyone had ever heard back then. <laughs> I know, there we go. Dan, I mean, you're obviously a lot younger than us, so I'm, I'm assuming it's probably less easy top and what, E17 or something like that for you, is it? I have honestly no idea what you guys have just spent the last <laughs> sort of one minute talking about. I, so, I'm, that, I'm pretty sure he's E17 or even um, yeah. too, too old for Dan. E17 yeah, from mid 90s. song was kind of what, 2000? That's all I know them for is that yeah. Christmas song, so. There you go. I'm trying to think what was uh, out after that then. Oh, no, I think stuff. Anyway, five, anyway. Yeah. Five were about, weren't they? They were five, about. Yeah, that but program. there wasn't three of them, Dan. So that doesn't really work. No, it was five, there was five of them. So it doesn't work. Yeah. The cause, there was four of them. Anyway, right, let's move on. Joking aside, Dan, obviously uh, disappointing that the game with uh, Shrewsbury was called off, uh, at least for now. From your point of view, any sort of further understanding or uh, I suppose we could say wild, pure speculation on what you think may happen with it, rearranged or rescheduled or buy or walkover or whatever you want to say? Well, I guess it's it's a case of obviously it's with the FA's board uh, board at the moment, so they're going to be working through it. Southampton will obviously be contributing, and so will Shrewsbury about if they are going to reschedule. Well, when can this game be re- rescheduled for? That is ultimately the key question. And you look at Southampton's schedule, and it is looking pretty hectic. In the same sense, I think Ralph is probably going to rotate the squad anyway. So if they are, you know, they do have to play it, then you could still leave kind of the, the the sort of normal starting 11 at home and just play a load of academy players and sort of players in and around the first team that perhaps aren't getting many minutes on the pitch. So if they have to play, I honestly don't think it'll be the end of the world. It's just a case of where will they be able to play it when that decision is made. So we should hopefully find out in the first half of this week whether whether it will go ahead or whether it will end up as a bye. Yeah, and and Steve, as Dan says, I mean, obviously, uh, definitely a challenge given how many games Saints and Shrewsbury, to be fair to them, will have in January. And the other, of course, interesting fact about all of this is that the fourth round is due to be played on the weekend of the 23rd of January, which is literally the week after next. Yeah, and I would imagine that the FA are quite keen to avoid any sort of multiple either-or um, ties in the draw. So I... My kind of gut feel is that we're probably going to get a walkover here. I mean, it's not ideal. It's not not kind of the way you would want to progress, I guess. But I think in in terms of preserving, kind of not not messing thing messing things around even more than they already have been. If they were ever going to order the game to be replayed at a later date, I think they needed to have made that decision on on Thursday or Friday to give themselves a chance because the only free um, slot we've got is this coming midweek so yeah I, I don't I don't see any other outcome other than us being awarded the game at this stage there's just there's just not there's there's no room in the calendar this year and it's that and that comes back to something we've discussed before in that basically none of the competition organizer organizers in basically any of the sort of whether it's UEFA whether it's um, the FA um, the Football League or the Premier League none of them have ceded any ground this season despite the fact that we've we've had to lop off best part of a month from the season 
Um, they're still trying to fit all of the games in. And I mean, you saw the absolute farce that was the early rounds of the Carabao Cup. I mean, the, from the quarterfinals onwards, it's been it's been fine. The, ga- the games have actually been really good quality. I think the ones that I've watched, but the early rounds are an absolute shambles because you're asking teams who had maybe had one or two preseason friendlies to play three times a week for um, for five weeks, and it was ju- it was just ridiculous. And I think with game with the occasional game being called off here and there for um, for COVID related reasons, I think you are going to struggle to fit those, fit any of those games in sort of going forward. There, there just isn't room in the calendar. I mean, we're, we're, I guess we're kind of fortunate that we've got a, a free week, free midweek this week, but beyond there, you could, there's, there's not a lot, is there really? No, no. I, I had a, uh, a very loose rumour about Monday the 18th and having to play a B team potentially but we'll see what happens with that but yeah maybe it'll go down as Southampton 1 Shrewsbury nil, Shane Long with the winner who knows but a uh, lot for the uh, FA to sort out over the next few days I think no doubt about that um, just before we get going then a big shout out to Anders Nilsson our latest TSP patron for signing up via patreon.com slash Total Saints podcast to support us Anders a really big thank you we really do appreciate it right let's head off into the land of podding underpinned by our global TSP patrons just like Anders, this is TSP 144. This is the Total Saints Podcast with Ben Stanfield, Steve Grant, Glenn Dillacore, and the Athletics' Dan Sheldon. Okay, as mentioned, some of our patrons have kindly answered the call to arms for this pod, given the lack of FA Cup action. So we're going to work our way through as many of your questions as we can. Thank you very much for sending them in. Dan, we're going to start with you. Um, Obviously, it's January, so let's uh, jump straight in with a a transfer-related question. Jamie's asked, as Dan Sheldon mentioned on a recent pod, Southampton were in for Brandon Williams in the last transfer window, and as I remember, he wanted the move, but Manchester United said no. I saw a tweet a few days ago suggesting Brandon may still change clubs with us possibly remaining interested does Dan think that we are still in for Brandon Williams start off with an easy nice transfer one I'm sure they're going to get a bit more difficult than that yes absolutely the Southampton still want another fullback I think that's that's evident it's not exactly a secret Brandon Williams is remain to target what's interesting about Brandon and this sort of comes from conversations I've had uh, with people with a far better knowledge of the the situation and possible deal that than me is Man United obviously had these these run of games essentially where they've just played sort of two cup games in a row. Now with kind of injuries on the rise, coronavirus cases, also uh, you know positive tests increasing. The the attitude, the kind of element I heard was that you know they'd be almost silly to let Brandon Williams go at this stage of the window because you do not know what's going to happen in sort of five five days seven days time they and you could of course say the same for february you know they could let brandon williams go at the end of the window and then two weeks later they're, they're without both Tellus and shaw that's just bad luck so i think there are other targets it's not just williams or bust southampton obviously have got a list of, of players they like as they always do my understanding is that brandon is obviously very high on that list and if it's a I'm sure he still wants to to go and play regular football. You know, he was promised more game time by Solskjaer at United as part of persuading him to stay in the summer. And that just hasn't come to fruition. I think that FA Cup game was his first start in maybe first start of the season or perhaps second start. I don't think he's featured in the Premier League 
yeah, he came on against Southampton at St. Mary's, but again, that was with just a few minutes to go. So he is still a big target of theirs, but it's just a case of when, if this deal was to be done, it may be a case that it's a little bit later on in the window, as opposed to, you know, as we've seen in the first sort of 10, 11 days, because why would Man United want to risk that just now? And the same can be said for potential outgoings. You know, we at The Athletic, we did a story on Jan Valery uh, and Michael Obafemi that the club were, you know, kind of happy for them to go out on loan and play regular football. And by all intents and purposes, Michael Obafemi looked to be joining Swansea on loan. And then, you know, an injuries now robbed him of that chance to go and play football. Same for Jan Valery. I'm not saying Jan Valery's injured, but from Southampton, you could put the same argument Man United have at the moment on Southampton and Jan Valery. Now, I'm sure Jan Valery desperately wants to go and play football. You know, I was told that he wouldn't mind going to France if there was if there, if there's an option on the table. He wouldn't mind going to League League One and France League One in France. So, but if you're Southampton, do you let him go at this stage of the window when you haven't got cover in? Because if you do and you then don't get a fullback in, if you then lose, let's say Bertram, not let's not say Bertram because you have got Vokins there. But if you lose Walker Peters. You're staring at a situation where you either play Kane Ramsey at right back or you play James Ward-Prowse at right back. That They're your options. So you'd think common sense would mean that Southampton will probably hang on to someone like Valerie a little bit longer just in case, you know, they, they don't get a fullback over the line. But by all intents and purposes, you know, they still want a fullback. Williams, from what you read of the kind of reports coming out of Manchester at the Manchester Evening News, Williams still wants to go. Southampton will be one of several clubs looking at him I think Newcastle another another side that have been sort of mentioned in the media then it's just a case of where does Brandon want to go and play football the fact that he was very keen to come to Southampton in the summer I don't see why what well, I don't see how his mind would have changed too much especially given the results that Southampton have had this season and we all agree on this podcast and every Southampton fan agree, agrees that you know, Ralph is just a fantastic coach. Why wouldn't you want to come and be coached by Ralph for six months or five months or whatever, whatever it will be? So I, I do have uh, an element of optimism on that deal. It's just a case of, you know, if Man United are willing to play ball and when they decide that they're willing to play ball, is it going to be too late in the window or could it be next week? I mean, that that part is kind of up in the air. I mean, there's there's also the question of whether United are going to be willing to trade with a direct rival. Well, you took the words out of my mouth, Steve. Yeah, it's Premier League title. I mean, that's obviously the other thing that's changed since the summer now, Dan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, no, I mean, I know. All jo- joking aside, it's that's one of the reasons they didn't sell, uh, didn't let Romero go to Everton because they were going to be, you know, strengthening a rival. I'm not saying Southampton are going to be challenging for a Premier League title, but and they're not. And I honestly don't think Man United are going to be challenging for a Premier League title come the end of the season. So if you're Man United, you look at Southampton and think, well, actually, do we really want to give them a fullback when it could be us or them competing for sort of fifth or sixth or, or whatever it is? So they that's that, They won't see us as a rival. They no, just, no, possibly there's not. no way they'll see us as a rival. No way. So, no, no. Well, I mean, you know, you never know if they do, if... You know, so how many points is Southampton behind them? I know United have a game in hand, don't they? But we all we all agree United aren't going to win the league this year. They're probably not going to finish second either. So there's not a lot separating kind of where Southampton are to third at the moment, is there? And I'm not saying Southampton are going to finish the top four either, but it, it's one of those, isn't it? Yeah, agreed. I, um, think, I think Williams' situation it's it's also informed by what Ryan Bertrand's doing as well, because if Ryan Bertrand has indicated that he's not going to sign a new contract and he is going to move then you know the situation a becomes more desperate from our point of view and 
Williams would suddenly see that he, hang on, he's coming in as potentially first choice in a few months' time, um, and not to be you know, like a like a catch-all substitute for both fullback positions. So I don't know if that will make a difference. See, that's an interesting point, Glenn, isn't it? Because Ralph, um, I can't remember if it was in a press conference, Dan, you probably remember as well, but he made a point of saying that if Saints are going to do anything in, in this window, it's probably with a view to thinking about the longer-term pitchers. So potentially that is the way they entice Williams. I, I think, as Dan says, it's more about whether Man United are willing to play ball than whether Williams is. But it is almost like Carl Walker-Peters come in previous self six months. If Ralph likes you, you're going to be full-time left back over the next 12, 18 months. Yeah, and... You know, it seems to have gone quite quiet about about Ryan Bertrand, and we're we've now where are we now? Five months until his contract runs out. So what is he doing? You've got to think that if he doesn't sign it in the next sort of I don't know three or four weeks, then he probably isn't going to. So we have to look for next season and not just you know a loan deal to cover the rest of this season. Exactly. Yeah. Just briefly, I remember someone telling me that obviously we were linked with Ryan Sessegnon before, and he made a point of saying to the Saints that he wanted to play left wing, so Saints weren't interested in him then because they obviously wanted a left back. But uh, just briefly before I come to you, Steve, um, Dan obviously mentioned Michael Obafemi there. He's had surgery the last 24, 48 hours, so obviously we wish uh, Michael Obafemi all the best with his recovery. Um, Steve, Ed asked a, a similar sort of question really about the whole squad. So Ed said, um, although we muddled through on Monday and the boys were. Amazing, Amazing. Our squad was threadbare. You take three or four first-team regulars out and we have nothing. Similarly, if Ryan Bertrand is injured, there simply is no credible backup, which is exactly what uh, Dan and uh, Glenn have just been talking about. Ed says, indeed, in both fullback positions, without investment in the squad, getting into Europe will simply kill our Premier League campaign next season. So I obviously love uh, the optimism from Ed. But I suppose, Steve, what I wanted to ask was, despite the financial impact the pandemic is obviously bringing at the moment, Clearly, there's some further work needed in the transfer market by Saints over the coming months to, to sort of build on this momentum and get that squad depth. And uh, I suppose, you know, if they can't do it now, they'll need to do it in the summer. Or I was going to ask you, do you feel like now is the time where, as, as Dan wrote about this week, you know, with the academy, ultimately these players are only going to really prove the academy's working by developing themselves as first team players over the next 12, 18 months. So is it now actually about giving them a chance and saying, do you know what, we haven't got... 30, 40, 50 million to spend on three or four players. So you guys need to stand up and we're going to give you a real chance to do that. Well, I think I mean, we've, we've already seen over the past, what, um, four to six weeks that Ralph's happy to give these guys a go. I'd be very surprised if he's looking at kind of more than sort of the occasional cameo off the bench. I think um, the situation where obviously Teller played best part of best part of an hour or so against Man City, I don't think that would have been high up his list of priorities, especially against sort of top opposition. But I think we've already already shown that we're kind of willing to sort of give these guys a go as a sort of in in sort of little fits and starts. But I do think I think there's there's a there's an opportunity perhaps if if the club can see like a particular bargain available. So if they if they kind of think, well, okay, Ryan Bertrand's stalling a little bit, why don't we just well, we, we know what uh, what we value certain players at from from other clubs. I mean, as an example, Brandon Williams. I mean, there was I, th- I think I read somewhere that there was talk of obviously a loan to however many clubs are potentially interested, or a permanent move to someone like Bayer Leverkusen. Now, by Leverkusen aren't going to be aren't going to be throwing silly money around. That's, I think that's because Man United wanted one of their players. I think that was the that was uh, okay. tied in so with that. Was, that, that I was think a cash plus was it? Okay, fine. But it's I think if if we can if we see like particular value somewhere, um, then we might might open the open the checkbook. Given that we've got um, from from what I gather, we've got a little bit of um, little bit of cash in the bank. 
sort of just in cash flow from that uh, that loan from the Dell subsidiary company. I can't remember their name now. Uh, the guy, the guys who have now have. That's the one. The, the the guys who are now heavily involved and sounding like absolute nightmares at Burnley. So, yeah, I mean, they, they might look at that and as a as a kind of speculative. OK, well, if we if we can fill fill a problem position now, a it saves us the problem of getting somebody in further down the line. And B, also, you, you're looking at this condensed season everything's everything's still a little bit weird even though obviously liverpool united city are kind of pushing their way pushing their way towards the top and kind of normalizing things a little bit more but there's still us leicester and i mean yeah, just yeah we never and even even west ham aren't on a million miles away really that are going to be potentially um sort of in the in the mix for european qualification so why not kind of it's not really speculate to accumulate as such, but it's kind of a calculated gamble, isn't it? Whether you whether you kind of push the button now or wait wait for the summer when you've got a little bit more time to reevaluate stuff, I guess. Yeah. All right. Well, I am going to uh, if you're listening still, uh, I am going to be updating uh, or asking Dan about Danny Ings and uh, Ryan Bertrand's uh, contract situation. One of the questions has come in uh, on that, so uh, we uh, will get to that eventually in this uh, section. Okay, moving on to James. He asks, given where we are now and in the warm glow of sending Scouse Hampton packing, what would the panel, if that's not too glorified a term, um, it's definitely not a glorified term, James, uh, considered to be he says, A, a possible finishing position thinking positively, i.e. we're lucky with injuries, Ing stays fit, etc. B, a more likely finishing position looking completely objectively and C, a worst case scenario say if Romeo clears out Ingsy JWP and Walker Peters with a single tackle in training and Ralph retires on the spot from the emotion of it all so thanks for the question James um Steve let's start with you on this one then based on where Saints are right now what's your most optimistic prediction for Saints finishing position this season your more realistic one and what's the worst case scenario give me uh, three positions okay so wildly optimistic fourth yeah just condensed fixtures I think I think it could work it could just fall into place realistic seventh eighth maybe one of those two yeah, who knows? Um, and if everything falls apart, twelfth. Um, cool. I think I'll, that's to, to be honest, that's that's as low as I think we can we can fall at this stage, really. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in then. I was going to go last, but yeah, I had sixth uh, as uh, our best in terms of getting into Europe, and then I had exactly what you just said there. Given our squad depth, I said eighth for, for realistic, and I wrote down twelfth or so would be uh, worst case scenario. I think bearing in mind, uh, as you said, Steve, there's quite a few weaker sides than us in the start that we've had. Dan, let's come to you for the uh, obviously not just the completely objective question, but as a neutral here, what do you think uh, three potential uh, positions are? I'm just going to copy you, Ben. The, oh, the, thanks. The, th- the first three that came to mind, I don't think they they could improve on sixth. I think if I was being wide optimistic, this is where they'd finish, is where they are now. Uh, reasonable, I think, is eighth, and then yeah, anywhere below tail. Bearing you know, unless they lose every single game from now until the end of the season, I can't really see them f- finishing below twelfth. Yeah, perfect. All right, Glenn, any uh, improvements on any of those? Um, no, not really. We're we're not going to finish above Liverpool or Manchester City or Manchester United. We could potentially finish above Chelsea, Arsenal, Leicester. So I'd say fourth is the absolute highest, but I can't honestly see it. Realistically, I'd say about eighth, and I can't see us finishing. I can't actually see us finishing out of the top half. I know, I think it's Wolves that are 11th at the moment, and they they obviously finished above us last season. So if we can 
And, and to be honest, I, I would, even bearing in mind where we are now, I'd be quite happy with a top half finish. Perfect. All right. Thanks for the question, James. Uh, okay, let's lighten the mood a little bit before we get back to the more serious stuff then. Uh, Red Panda, our newest TSP patron, of course, from last week over in North Carolina, sent through several good ones. Uh, he also sent through a tongue-in-cheek one about how we thought Ralph may have successfully defended the state capital the other day against the uh, Trump protesters. But I think we'll swiftly avoid any uh, politically sensitive stuff. Um, <laughs> firstly, and uh, this almost brings a, a tear to my eye given the circumstances we were in, but uh, he asked what our favourite pre-game watering hole is or was um dan's obviously a professional journalist so uh, i know you can't answer that dan because you'll be sipping water in front of your uh, laptop pre-game but for me it would um, probably be the five rivers these days which is obviously where we hosted our 100th episode ironically that was exactly one year ago today the 10th of january last year freddie from the ugly inside uh, in- originally introduced uh, us to i remember the three of us and freddie did uh, uh, a pod there before didn't we as well uh, downstairs and uh, it's a great pre and uh, post game sports bar so i would say give it a visit obviously that's not really possible at the moment but uh, yeah the five rivers in uh, beavis valley for me i think is always good to uh, go to um glenn did you tend to head anywhere pre-lockdown or now you've got the kids and all that sort of thing is there more responsibility than that really there there is a bit of more responsibility now because i've got i've got my kids and and up until this season i have my dad as well and i have to look after him because he's a mess no he's not he's just he's just old <laughs> so i'm the one who gets um i'm the one who has to do the driving and stuff these days so i have to stay uh, pretty responsible so I'll, I'll go back to the Back to the Dell days, and um, I used to go to Bedford's in Bedford Place, and uh, yeah, and hang around there until two o'clock or whatever. I have to go back to those days to find my uh, my drinking before football days, really. And uh, yeah, so uh, so I'd have to say to Bedford's. Yeah, no, fair enough. I, I've got to say quickly, jump in there. We always used to go. I can't remember what it's called. Was it called the? corner flag or corner post something and then it changed to the fits you didn't it down there uh, yeah always used to sort of mingle outside there and you get your cheese and onion rolls for a quid or something like that but uh, there we go um steve i mean obviously you're a man that likes a, a tipple or two I, I suppose it would be uh what uh trying to think uh your cluskies or something like that in the old days <laughs> exactly yeah well mate most recently it's generally been O'Neill's I think um, I do quite like the cricketers though just off Bedford Place that's yeah. that's, that's always quite good mainly because it's because it's kind of tucked away a little bit, it's it's generally fairly quiet, easy to get served. Um, good beers for those who like beers, which I don't. You're more of a WKD man, aren't you? Uh, no, just vodka. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's 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 decent for, decent for for sort of real ales and things like that. And quite a few quite a few of the guys I go with are, are those types, so it's um it's it's pretty good for that and decent prices as well. To be fair. Yeah. Brilliant stuff. All right. Uh, okay, one more off topic there, and then we'll get back to uh, football and Saints chat. Um, Red Panda also asked what our one favourite lockdown TV, movie, or book recommendation was. So, uh, Dan, let's come to you because you obviously didn't ask you the last question. Is there anything throughout the whole 12 months of lockdown, uh, a TV show that you'd recommend, or a movie that you've watched, or a book that you're reading, Dan? Anything like that for our listeners? I'm going to go with the most recent. Uh, show I just binged watch with my girlfriend as it's fresh in my mind. So it will have to be Stranger Things on Netflix. I, I, I'd never watched it before. Kept on hearing like all sorts about it. Put it on like sort of five episodes in. I'm thinking, what on earth am I watching this like garbage for? And then all of a sudden it just got really good really quickly. And then that was it in the in the next sort of like 10 to 14 days. Just did three seasons with my girlfriend and yeah, just can't wait for season four now on a more like long-term series i really like billions on sky atlantic that's really good but that's the latest season's just come out of that but it it's kind of cut halfway through because of covid i guess they were filming out of the time and then just had to stop filming but that that would be up there and 
that's that's it really just the, just those two and then nfl i'm a big fan of nfl so whenever that's when i try and watch that but who's your nfl team uh well houston texans but the, you know the less i said about that the better i think <laughs> garbage at the moment <laughs> right, right come on we can't move on from that just briefly and Dan, how did you end up as a houston texan fan not not it's not a very glamorous story to be honest i remember i was a bit younger and I don't know if Sky Sports still do it. I think they do, because I'm sure they did one this year with the LA Rams and LA Chargers, um, these like hard knocks programs or whatever they're called. And they did a yeah. Houston Texans one years and years ago. And I just remember seeing JJ Watt and thinking, what an absolute machine that guy is. So I put, uh, my, my best friend is a, a very big NFL fan. He's a massive Pittsburgh Steelers fan. So I kind of put sort of eight or nine teams into a hat and I thought, right, whoever I pull out, they're going to be my team. And it just happened to be Houston Texans. But, if Deshaun Watson leaves this summer, then that's it. I'm going to have to put some more teams into a hat and find a new team, I think. I mean, I've always had a soft spot for Kansas City, but who hasn't? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, yeah, I can't say I have Dan Bell. I know nothing about NFL, to be <laughs> honest with you, but uh, okay, so uh, cool. Uh, other than the fact that I know they use a, a duster every so often, don't they just uh, throw on the floor? But uh, there we go. Right, uh, Steve, come on then. A TV, movie or book suggestion for our listeners? The end, I mean, I've not, not really watched an awful lot of stuff that's kind of new. I've kind of caught up with a lot of old stuff so one one of the things i basically watched the entire um set of from start to finish i think it's five seasons worth was um line of duty mm-hmm. um thought, thought that was excellent um, yeah, I, did that. I did that so as yeah, well. um, yeah i think there's i think there's a new new series yeah, they're new recording, series coming they're out recording. Um, yeah, yeah. in march comes out in march i think um so yeah looking forward to that um but yeah not not an awful lot really yeah i mean obviously when NFL's been on, I've been been watching as much of that as possible. So that's been that's been pretty good. But yeah, other than that, it's been kind of bits and pieces. Kind of pick pick up pick up whatever's whatever's on at the time. There's it's been obviously dearth of live sport for for a lot of um, a lot of the last year or so. Yeah, there has been. Come on then, just briefly, who's your uh, NFL team? Just bearing in mind we're having loads of NFL chat that I know nothing about. Uh, to be really dull, uh, my my fav- my favourite NFL team is the Saints. Yeah, that's good. That's yeah, all right. We'll take that, we? So yeah, I probably don't need to ask how you came up with that one, but uh, there we go. So brilliant. All right. Um, I have to say, from my point of view, um, obviously watched uh, the Last Dance during the the summer, the Michael Jordan thing. I think everyone's watched that. I was probably one of the last ones to watch that. But if you haven't watched it, we've uh, certainly been making the uh, the most of Netflix over the past few months. So that was one that I would definitely recommend. Um, the other one actually, um, it was ironically the the Salop cast host uh, Ollie, who was on a couple of weeks back. I was talking to him over Christmas. And he recommended uh, The Queen's Gambit, which uh, was a seven-episode chess-related drama. I have to be honest, I'm not a massive chess fan. I was a bit uh, hesitant about it, but uh, me and Mrs. S have just finished watching it, and it's really, really well-made, actually. So I definitely suggest that one if you're looking for something a bit outside the norm. Um, Second that comment yeah, on The Queen's yeah. Gambit, really good. Yeah, no, it was a good good watch. So uh, excellent. I'm glad, glad I'm uh, not on my own with that one, Dan. So uh, brilliant. Um, Glenn, anything uh, slightly eccentric uh, to add or...? Uh, well, I'd rather watch Paint Dry than watch the NFL. <laughs> I'm with you on that <laughs> no, one. That's seriously. Oh, I've always liked you best, Glenn. I've always oh, liked you best. So. Ridiculous sport, that is. Um, <laughs> I've never worked out how um, it takes I, four hours to play a game that lasts an hour, but there we go. So oh, carry on. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's, it's beyond me that. I, I get I get that lots of people like it, and that's cool. Totally. Yeah. If you do, then great, but no, not for me. I've actually learned how to read. Um, <laughs> I've never been. I've never been particularly. Um, I've never had the concentration span to sit down and sort of like read books over a few days or whatever. But um, I keep getting bought them for Christmas. So I've tried them. You know. So over the last sort of four or five years, 
I've collected quite a few books I've never actually got around to reading, so I've tried to make a dent in some of those. And usually they're music related, which is my other thing other than football. So uh, you'll, you'll, all, you'll all, even Dan might have heard of the song Teenage Kicks by The Undertones, which is a very sort of famous song from the, the 80s. version rather than the... Uh... Yeah, one, one, of the guys, one of the guys from <laughs> The Undertones, Mickey Bradley, has, has written a book, My Life as an Undertone. That was very entertaining. And I'm currently reading one by a female bass player from a band called the Go-Go's who were from the early 80s called uh, Kathy Valentine has written a book about her sort of struggles in the music business being a, a woman in a band of other women in the 80s and that's uh, that's quite entertaining as well TV wise yeah I've done the line of duty thing I also watched Life on Mars Life on Mars and Ashes to Ashes series I've sort of binge watched all of those again because I'd seen them for about 10 years and they were very good as well so uh, so yeah, yeah, Gene Gene Hunt, one of the characters in it is I kind of well I think he was modelled on me or I modelled myself <laughs> him. I don't know. I don't know. It's yeah. a bit, it's a bit un PC and you couldn't get away with it these days. <laughs> I was what speaking of that, I was watching Airplane the other night that was on I was thinking crikey, I'm not sure much of Airplane would get through the uh, PC uh, film uh, sort of uh, I don't know reviews these days, but uh, no, excellent. All right, well hopefully there's some interesting stuff in there for uh, any of you wherever you're listening around the world. If there's uh, something you've not uh, watched or seen or read, then uh, yeah, good question, Red Panda. And uh, I should add that Red Panda did also ask a couple of other questions about squad fitness and condition and the team's automatisms, uh, but I thought that would probably take a little bit longer than a quick uh, fire round, so maybe we can cover that off at uh, another time as there are clearly more than just sort of two or three minute answers. Um, right, back to Saints. John asked, have you ever watched a game at the Dal or St Mary's in the away end? Uh, he says, I watched Alan Shearer's debut at the Dal, the hat-trick in the Arsenal section, because I was with a colleague Guna. Um, Dan, just before I go to Glenn and Steve, because I'm sure they will have answers, have you ever, as a journalist, I mean, it must, I was thinking about this when I was writing the question, I suppose you're quite often sat in the home end when Saints are away, and probably that's a, a little bit uncomfortable when uh, obviously the home team are cheering all around you and you're trying to sort of diplomatically write something pessimistic or negative if they've let a goal in or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I kind of switch off from, from it now, to be honest. It's, it's one of those weird things, I think I said on a previous podcast, where you become so used to having fans that it, it, when they go and then you really notice it, but now it's it's just I'm so like used to just no noise whatsoever. Glenn, come on then. Uh, any memories or um, sort of uh, you know thoughts on uh, ever sitting in the uh, away end or standing in the away end at either the Dallas or Marys? Um, no, I've never done it that way round. I have been to away games and sat in the home end um, watching Saints a couple of times in particular stand out. One. Um, I think I've told this this story before. Fratton Park in 1984, um, the Steve Moran goal. That was that was deadly. That was. Uh, <laughs> I just I was I was 15 and terrified. Mm. And it, it was it was scary scary business that was. Um, I wasn't in the Fratton end. I was in the uh, I think it's called it, it was the North, North Stand, isn't it? The North Terrace at the time. Um, I do remember that just having, you know having to stand there in complete silence whilst everyone about around me was um, not very happy and the other time the other time was um do you remember when luton didn't have away fans in where they they put the away fan band the old id card nonsense wasn't it yeah um i can't remember exactly how i got in but there was one away fan in that day and i managed managed to get into kenilworth road and we won 4-3 and that that was that was quite an interesting experience as well because the game where alexi sherednik scored it, may, it might have been. It might have been. I, I was I just, I just I, something <laughs> triggered in my mind there. I remember it from like that. Um, do you remember the old Golden Goals videos? Yeah. That uh, Nick Hauling used to narrate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, He's a it's fan, it was isn't on he, one Nick of those. Collins? 
Yes, he is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so he used that, to do NFL, ironically. There you go. There's a good link there. Yes, yeah. So that, that's the only that's the only two times that I've um, sat in the uh, sat in the home end and watched the Saints. But no, I've never never sat in the away end at uh, at the Dale or St Mary's. No, nope. uh, fair enough. So um, cool. Before I come to Steve, so I was I was thinking about this, and yeah, like you, um, Glenn, I remember getting a corporate invite to uh, White Hart Lane a few years back. Um, I say a few years back. It was probably about 20 years ago when. Uh, they beat us 2-0 and uh, all the Spurs fans were chanting your Spurs and you know you are to Dean Richards because he signed for them about a few days later and uh, yeah, it wasn't great fun standing in uh, the Spurs end well where we were defending in our normal style but I must say it was uh, does give you appreciation of how good Saints fans are actually because when you're in the home end obviously you can hear how fantastic the uh, Saints support is which uh, was certainly I remember something from that day um, but yeah I was trying to focus on John's question and uh, do you know what we um, we always used to sit in the lower west stand so we had season tickets there and I always remember looking over at the Archers Rose stand with envy particularly uh, of course when the away fans had obviously been moved to lower east because um, the archers became the the singing end but for many years it was the away end but yeah I eventually got in there John for an England under 21 game I had to look it up in 1999 it was the 26th of March and uh, so I reckon I've been about 17 years old England beat Poland 5-0 I'm sure lots of people listening remember it James Beattie actually played in that game and it was my only competitive visit we can call it that to the archers road stand uh, in the Dow years but yeah it did feel amazing to be in there and uh, I've got to say so close to the action and all that sort of thing but uh, Steve just to finish on this question then any memories of being in uh, the away end at the Dal or St Mary's? Not for Saints games um, I think the, I think I, I would have been sat in just about in the away end for the England Macedonia game mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah back in cross when was that 2003 that I think yeah the tool draw yeah. when when they scored direct from a corner I remember doing um, the year Swindon were up in the top flight back in what was that 93 um, Saints played up at uh, up at their place just before Christmas, I think it was, and because um, we had I had family up up there, so they got they managed to get us tickets in the in the home end, so we we end up wat- watching that game from there. But I think Paul Bowden scored a late winner for them, so obviously it was mm. particularly miserable. Um, <laughs> they 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 went down, having conceded a hundred goals, yeah, and yet we still we still managed to lose to them somehow. <laughs> Typical Saints, but uh, there we go. All right, well, let's finish with uh, a couple for you then, Dan. Uh, as I mentioned earlier on, the uh, good old topic of contract renewals, I'm sure it was uh, going to come up. So uh, Mark asked, please can you ask Dan if there is any further updates on new contracts for Danny Ings and Ryan Bertrand? Are there any concerns within the club regarding the possibility of either or both not signing extensions? Um, appreciate you'll probably have to be a little bit sensitive, Dan, with what you do know, but uh, I think we all remember um, one of your colleagues, David Ornstein, tweeting, I think it was the 19th of October, that Danny Ings was, quote, close to to agree in a new deal um, there was obviously a local journalist that uh, appears on TalkSport fairly regularly who I uh, believe said something just before Christmas along the same lines as well but uh, given where we are now Dan and what you know and who you've spoken to and that sort of thing what's your uh, overall thoughts? I think it's not a lot has changed from what's probably been said about it before if, if I'm being honest that what, what do we know we know the club have offered him a new deal which would see him become you know the highest earning player and that deal hasn't been signed yet or if it has been signed uh, I'm not aware of that and it hasn't been announced so it seemed very strange which would yes I mean if you if Danny Ng signs a contract you you announce it pretty much there and then I think because it is such big news so we're in a situation where you know as far as we understand it there's an offer on the table and Danny Ng hasn't signed that that contract yet so that that's where we are with that I think obviously there's a lot more to it than that there's so many things to weigh up if you're Danny Ings you'll be asking yourself questions whether can I crack it at a a, a big big club uh, once again if I sign a, a new long-term contract does that 
and then stop me going to the next level if I don't know a, a Man City came in um, trying to replace Aguero on the cheap or or something like that. So do you hold off signing it before you know the landscape of what's going on at other clubs? I think that is absolutely fair enough. You know, footballers have short careers. They should absolutely do what they see as fit. And Danny Ings has had some horrific injuries. So everyone wishes Danny nothing but success. So he's earned the right, I think, over the last couple of seasons to to take a bit of time before perhaps signing it. That's absolutely fair enough. It's his career. It's his future. He should just do what he thinks is best. So there's that. You know, it's like it's just it's, we can't say too much more than that, really. You know, the, the club have offered him a contract and he hasn't signed it yet. There's either something they don't like about it, uh, Danny's camp don't like about it, or it's just a case of they want it to be at the right time to then properly sit down and sign it. Perhaps, who knows? It's it's one of those. There's a contract offer on the table. He hasn't signed it yet. A lot, not more can really be said about it other than that. You know, if he signs it, we'll all know about it. If he doesn't, then we will know about that too because he wouldn't have signed it. I do think, though, from my point of view, the longer it goes on and he hasn't signed that deal, the more precarious it does look. I, that's just my personal opinion. I'm sure Southampton fans would love to see it signed tomorrow, if possible. But I think if we get to a stage where, let's say we're in March, uh, March, April, and he still hasn't signed that contract, then... I think the question then is really where is Danny Ings going next? Because Southampton will be in a point uh, a point there where they've got a player going into the summer window with a year left on his contract. So that's where the the question then changes. That well, do you know? Do you cash in now if that's what Danny Ings wants and that's what you know the agreement everyone's comes to? Because you know Southampton have just as much a say as as Danny in terms of the offer they've made and whether they would sell him in the summer if it ever got to that point. Look, let's hope it doesn't get to that point. You know, we all want to see Danny Ings stay at Southampton. He's a fantastic player. You know, from what I sense, there's still, you know, a level of optimism. There's still time left. There's no chance. Well, I say there's no chance. I mean, I, I don't want to say that because who knows, if someone came in tomorrow for like a £100 million offer for Danny Ings, I'm sure there'd be serious discussions held whether they should sell him. But there's pretty much no chance he's going to be sold this month. There's still plenty of time to get that contract signed and sorted out before it gets to a stage where there's a year left and that undoubtedly alerts other clubs so that one I think could call for for more patience or it could be sorted out the next time that the two parties sit down and kind of work things out together it's it's just a bit up in the air on that one yep fair enough and just to finish um Mark's question then on Ryan Bertrand. I think I remember Martin, obviously, when he spoke to Claire and me a while back, saying that Ryan was on a, a list with a few of them, Alex McCarthy, and obviously we've seen Romeo and Bednarek and uh, people like that, Stuart Armstrong. So Ryan Bertrand, again, someone that the key club are, are sort of talking to, and obviously we'll see where that goes, yeah? I'd, I'd say so. I think that the interesting one with Ryan Bertrand is that he can obviously negotiate to go overseas now if he wants to. So if he wanted to go and play for Marseille, for example, he could sign a pre-contract essentially now I'm not saying he wants to go and play for Marseille so hopefully no one quotes that up and puts it on Twitter or whatever but that that's the situation they're in with him he Ryan Bertrand came out recently after a game and said he wants to stay and I may be wrong um, I hope I'm not making up these quotes but that he could see himself staying here as a coach or you know beyond his playing days basically in that sense you're thinking you'd think it'd be quite a straightforward contract to sort out. And then you look at it and you think, well, if you're Southampton, and now again, this is just my opinion. I don't really have any knowledge of the specifics of what that contract offer is or 
or anything like that. If you're Southampton and you're looking at Ryan Bertrand and you're thinking, right, he's 31, do we give him a three-year contract or do we give him a two-year contract? And if you're Ryan Bertrand, you might be thinking, well, I want a three-year contract because then that's, you know, pretty much my last big contract. I'll be 34 at the end of that. And then it's, you know, you may sign, may sign for another year after that and then or go off to a, yeah, a, another club. But let's, this, these are the facts. You know, Ryan Bertrand is not going to get a better club than Southampton in the Premier League. I think that's that's safe to say. You know, he's just not going to attract a Man City, a Liverpool, a, a Chelsea, a, a Man United. They're just not going to come in for Ryan Bertrand. Yeah, that, that ship sailed probably two or yeah. three years ago. I think. Yeah, absolutely. You know, his England career, which I, I mean, I do, I, I personally think he should be in and around the England setup myself but that well, particularly, was particularly that. when we're when we're picking 47 right backs and no left backs <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah. so it, it, it's a weird you know ryan's come out and said i want to stay so in theory this should if southampton want him to stay then this in theory should be a very very straightforward contract to sort out but i do the length of the contract is what you know gets me thinking and again it's just my opinion but you know you gave shane long a a two-year contract and how old is Shane Long is he 32 33 33 yeah so then what what does Ryan Bertrand want and what does Southampton want to offer him I'm sure that's where they're going to have to maybe meet in the middle or they could both be on the same page again that's something I don't know there you go see I knew there would be an advantage to doing my uh, ages on the bench last week I could instantly tell you Shane Long was 33 there but uh, cool right last question Dan and I think we'll we'll leave it there for this episode so I appreciate this is not necessarily a question to uh, answer uh, briefly but Let's see if we can do that given time. But uh, another Dan asked, I was wondering about the playbook that Ralph put together in lockdown 1.0. As I understand, everything that's in there is based on Ralph's philosophy. So does that mean he's planning to be with us for a very long time, Alex Ferguson-esque, or will it just get ripped up and forgotten about if when a new manager comes into the club and decides he doesn't like it? It seems like a lot of effort if Ralph's not planning on staying for the long term. Personally, I think it's the former, given the loyalty the club showed to him last year in his contract. But maybe I'm just being naive, as Ralph clearly capable of managing a much bigger club than Saints. So, Dan, as briefly as possible, um, what's your overall thoughts on that question? Well, first of all, I think that's a, a really good question. Um, secondly, what I'd add is if I, I, I certainly don't think Ralph's going to be a Southampton for for two decades I just don't you know we just don't see that in football anymore and you know as romantic as it would be it's just it's just not going to happen the playbook is you know that's how Southampton it's not just Ralph's kind of philosophy you know it wasn't just Ralph sat at home writing this book saying right this is what we're doing this is what we're doing and this is all my ideas my ideas you know there were other people working on it it wasn't just Ralph it and the club would have had to sign it off anyway. Ralph wouldn't have taken it into the, you know, Staplewood and said, right, sit down with me now, academy coaches. This is what you're going to be doing. This was a, you know, across the board decision that this is how we want Southampton Football Club to play while Ralph is here and then going forward. So when Ralph goes, eventually when he leaves, Southampton, I'd expect, would appoint a manager similar, you know, that is just plays the same very similar way they you appoint to that what Ralph's qualities are you look for basically the next Ralph or yeah. whoever you, you have you just, to you yeah. have to otherwise we end up in the same scenario that we've exactly. ended up, so, up in before we end up with three managers exactly. three different philosophies loads of different players so that playbook gives them a consistency well and quite often when you're interviewing Dan you can say this you know we want you to come in and do this if you're not going to come in and adapt to this style we're not interested in you almost can't you the, the, the club has the power so to speak yeah but then again I don't think the club would be looking 
to veer away from the style that Ralph brings to, to Southampton. So the playbook is just that's just consistency. This is this is what they call the, the Southampton way. So you come in and you fit to that. This is what the academy does, and this is what we want our first team to do. But Southampton, I imagine, would be looking at a manager that already plays that that way anyway. Otherwise, what's the point? I mean, you don't bring in Tony Pulis, for example, and then say, right, Tony, we want you to play this way. Yeah, four two two two. That that it just doesn't work. Can you that. imagine that? <laughs> <laughs> you look for like-minded managers who play who play similar football. So it's uh, it's one of those that you know the the SFC playbook. It's called the SFC playbook. It's not called the Ralph Hasenhutel playbook. It's you know, this is the football club's long-term vision for even when Ralph is no longer there. So if that answers the question, I hope it does. If it doesn't, then then apologies, send an email <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's great no thanks Dan I think it does and uh, yeah big uh, thanks to you Dan for the question likewise to all of our patrons for their great questions hopefully the answers uh, were of equal quality Hi I'm Ricky Lambert and you are listening to Total Saints Podcast now, I saw a Saints fan introducing TSP to a fellow fan on a forum a few weeks back with the line, quote, probably the most professionally produced of all the Saints podcasts. P.S. Thanks for that, Ginny. Anyway, well, we always aspire to make sure the final product is indeed as good a listen as it can be. I promise we certainly have our dodgy moments. So here are some of the best bits that didn't quite make it into the public domain, at least until now, that is. The common denominator throughout, yours truly. Enjoy TSP Outtakes 2021, the first half, because we know there'll be more. Just before we do finish up, just want to say a quick congratulations to Dan and Lou... <laughs> Dan and Lou Dulu. Dan and... How do you pronounce that? Right, Dan, what time are we? Dan and Lindalu. Dan and Lindalu. Right, that's fine. Wait right, a minute, let me take a note of the time. 34.32. Right, take that out, Alex. And before we move on, just want to say a quick congratulations to Dan and Lou Dulu on his debut for the club. You know, there's no, you know, what was it? So I can't, off the top of my head, I don't know the statistic, but I think you mentioned it earlier, you know, Southampton have lost two games in their last, well, quite a lot. 13 now, I think. Yeah, 12 or 13 games. So, you know, they've clearly got momentum on their side. You know, they all know their roles. They know what they're doing. Um, Hassan Hutul and all the the analysts, and I can't can't even pronounce that word, (laughs) tongue tied there. Analysts, Ralph Hassan Hutul and all the analysts will, you know, be sort of doing their homework this week. Inspired by the recent Newcastle PPP, inspired by the recent Newcastle PPP, I can't say PPV. Inspired by the recent Newcastle PPV protests, which saw them raise twenty thousand pounds for a local food bank in the city. Patrons, as I mentioned at the start, hopefully you can join our get together. Not the headphones off. It's going well till then. Right, do that again. Patrons, as I mentioned at the start, hopefully you can join our get-together on Thursday at 8 o'clock UK winter time. I suppose what I was going to ask, Dan, is um, yeah, the club were given a bit of criticism maybe for signing up to the PPV vote without um, maybe sort of maybe taking a bit more time and asking a few more questions. That's almost like what it seems they want to do with this, but yet they've been criticised for not signing up, you know, quickly enough. So actually, as fans and, and football, you know, maybe media and things like that, are they giving Saints a bit of a hard time with it? Um Sorry, you have to repeat that again. I mean, you lost me halfway through that. <laughs> All right. In a nutshell, I suppose it's, and, and Alex can take this bit out. But uh, I, I suppose the fact was, you know, this, the, the club got grilled for signing up yeah. to PPV when, in hindsight, they said they should have asked for a bit longer. What they've done with yeah. this is asked for a bit longer. And now they're being grilled for that. Okay. 
I think I'm with you. Got it. <laughs> yeah. So I'll just talk, yeah? Go for it when you like. <laughs> That'll help. <laughs> All right, it's been such a long week. <laughs> you could just say, I don't give a f- <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> so do, do you think the club have been given a hard time in a nutshell for signing up right. to something? Yes. Okay. For not signing up to something, sorry. Um, I think it's it's hard to say really. Um, you've seen some obviously supporters on Twitter, and I don't think Twitter's probably the best platform to judge. I would imagine quite a lot more alcohol will be will be uh, consumed Christmas Day, given the given the various restrictions. No, pretty much nobody's going to be going anywhere, are they? So. Um, yeah, just crack, crack them open, I reckon. Yeah, I can care. All right, well, think uh, not just before uh, of more... Uh, more hold on a minute. Yes, I can care. Think not just because... Oh, yeah. Yes, I can care. Think not just because of uh, more negative reasons, but uh, certainly deserve a drink, I think, at the very least for uh, Toasting Saints in 2020, because they've uh, been an absolutely positive reason to uh, break out a, a beer or two. OK, before we get going, a few mentions... Oh, I'm going to do that again, because that was <laughs> dreadful. Honestly, I don't know why I write my notes so scruffy. Right, the last question of the uh, quiz then, uh, Steve. You need this to uh, join uh, forces with Glenn there and uh, become both uh, dual winners. But um, which of these Sky Sport pundits was born on Christmas Day? Is it A, Jeff Stelling, B, Chris Kamara, or C, Jim White? Ooh. Um, I was hoping you. Well, I was hoping you were kind of going to extend the pundit thing to be a to be slightly tenuous because I know Niall Quinn was born on Christmas Day. Oh, there you go. I thought um, all these questions were tenuous, to be honest with you. But, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Niall um, Quinn isn't a pundit. Well, he yeah, is a footballer, though. But yeah, debatable. Um, <laughs> so it's A. Jeff Stelling, B. Chris Kamara, or C. Jim White. One of them was born on Christmas Day. Stelling. Stelling is incorrect. It was Chris Kamara, unfortunately. So I can feel Glenn Delacour doing a little piss, uh, piss, <laughs> little piss pump. Even not, a, uh, not a little piss down there. I promise you can't feel that. It's <laughs> all right. That'll be a bit edited out. Right. So uh, yep, Glenn has got five points. Steve has got four, and uh, Dan has got three. So well done, Glenn. You're our winner. Uh, that was never in doubt, really, was it? Once the scream of "He's been, he's been" had died down, Turkey had been consumed, and every member of this pod alright start again once the screams of he's been he's been had died down turkey had been consumed and every member of this pod had taken an afternoon nap on the couch <laughs> thanks again to Ollie for dropping in for a chat very much appreciated um, Steve some interesting stuff in there not least that they have some very good FA Cup pedigree of course over the past 10 years or so something we'll need to be very wary and respectful of and just briefly Steve I'll take this bit out but yeah of course they have took Liverpool to a replay last year Wolves to a replay the year before that took them to extra time and then West Ham the year before that and took them to extra time as well can we not mm. just ask you the question on this one ben why <laughs> you seem to know an awful lot about about Shrewsbury. Well, i like to do my you. research then <laughs> i told you joe hart came from there so what more do you need to know than that <laughs> that was the one bit of advice that you could give us so uh... all right well let's uh, get some uh, final predictions on this pod then for uh, that third round match uh, of course it doesn't count towards the premier league prediction league i want to make sure we get that out there now so that dan sheldon and uh, such like don't moan next week um Dan, let's start with you then. Southampton versus Shrewsbury, not Shrewsbury Town. What do you reckon? It's going to be a 3-1 win for Southampton, but Sean Wally is going to score. <laughs> You've become, oh, like the, the, biggest, scorecast. <laughs> You've become yeah. the biggest Sean Wally fan in the last 10 minutes. So uh, Brilliant. All right, Glenn, what do you reckon? Uh, Saints to win 1-0. Saints to win 1-0. All right, you love your clean sheets, don't you? Um, I do. Steve? 
Um, 2-0 Saints, I think. 2-0 Saints, alright. And I apologise to everyone in advance because I'm going to go for Saints to win 2-1. Obviously, the one's going to be scored by Sean Wally. <laughs> See, Ben's done his research whilst the Glenn and Steve are talking there. Now he knows. Can I just read this quickly? This is from his Wikipedia page. Described <laughs> as an quotation mark express train down the wings by yeah. former teammate Paul Mullen. Wally was called up to the Football Association 11 standby squad for their game against Hallam. This guy has got pedigree, and he is coming to St. Mary's. He's playing for Shrewsbury. He can't be that good. Uh, he's, had, he's, he's a bit of a journeyman. He's had spells at Telford, <laughs> Telford United, Luton Town, Southport, Hyde, Droylsden, Southport, Wrexham, Accrington, Witten. Yeah. Bit of a CV, that is. So a lot it of is. non-league. <laughs> a lot of non-league. I think he scored more goals than Shane Long, so... <laughs> You know, oh, he so, so have I, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Well, thanks for checking in for our first pod of 2021. As always, we appreciate your time. If there's anything you think the four of us should be discussing about Saints or any other questions like Will's earlier, then please do get in touch at Total Saints Pod on Twitter, Total Saints Pod on Facebook, or Total Saints Podcast at yahoo.com on email. Otherwise, thanks to Steve. Then, otherwise, thanks to Steve, whoever the guy is from the Just Athletic. call me Sean. <laughs> otherwise, thanks to Steve, Dan, Glenn, and Ollie for joining in and giving their views. On- this is the Total Saints Podcast. Proudly underpinned by our TSP patrons. Hope you enjoyed that, including our in-depth, on-the-fly analysis of Sean Wally's career. As I mentioned in the intro, we wish everyone at Shrewsbury well over the coming weeks and months, whatever happens with the FA Cup tie. Now, subject to any major health concerns this coming week, Ralph Hasenhutel will be taking his side to Leicester City next Saturday evening. Um, Glenn, Saints record at Leicester under Ralph, play three in the Premier League, 1-0-0 draw and 2-2-1 two, two, wins, of course, including last season's redemption match, if we uh, know it. Um, reasons to be optimistic? Yeah, Leicester never do anything against us, do they? <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, well, we, we all know what everyone's going to be talking about and the build-up to the game, because there are... You know, there needs to be sort of 10 or so years need to go by before that stops getting talked about. Yeah, we've, we've won there the last couple of seasons. Um, last, last year was obviously brilliant. The, the year before we played that game with 10 men for most of it, didn't we, we as did, well? Yeah. Um, yeah, Valerie, Valerie got, got sent yeah. off. Yeah. So, uh, Steve mentioned last week, they're not great at home for some reason. Um, and they should be. They've got an excellent squad of players. They've spent a lot of money. They seem to have a lot of depth to their squad as well. So they should be able to. You should be able to cope with the the demands of this uh, peculiar uh, season, but they 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 don't seem to win many home games. So I think we can we can go there with a with a bit of optimism. They've they've got some very good players. Their their midfield three, which usually is Indeedy, Tielemans and Madison, they're they're as good as anybody. They're, that's that's an excellent midfield three. They've got a youngster playing in defence this year for Farner, who seems to be uh, seems to be getting rave notices. Um, oddly enough, the one game I saw him playing, he he. Um, it was against Liverpool, and he he didn't look great in that game. But they, you know, they've thirty quid million like, quid though. Yeah, yeah, but it's fairly extraordinary for someone that young. Yeah, but they obviously seen something in him. Um, I can't, I still can't take Brendan Rodgers seriously. I still, I still don't like him from his. I, still, I don't yeah, like I don't him like from his him. Liverpool days. It's that annoying it's clap just, I don't like. Just, oh, it's just one of those, one of those things. I did, he just established himself in my mind as being a. Bit of a knobhead when he was manager. Yeah. Oh, manager of Liverpool. I think it was the word search thing that really did me. Wasn't that he complained about the word search in the program or something like that, didn't he? Oh, Do you remember I don't, a Liverpool I game? Don't know. He, yeah, he's, he did. It's just 
he's yeah. just one of those um, one of those guys who, who plays at being an elite manager. And I, you know, he he's decent, but I don't I don't think he's as good as he thinks he is. Put it that way. They've obviously got the little rat faced geezer up front who. Um, who always always causes us problems? Um, you know they're they're a good side, and it, it's it's one of those classic classic games that you get in the Premier League. If if we play well, we've got a chance, and if if we're not on it, then we'll get beat. It's as simple as that. Mm. Good side. Yeah, agreed. I'm just looking it up here quickly. Yeah, it was. I think he complained, didn't he, that there was nothing in the program about some of the Saints players that had left to go to Liverpool and uh, all that sort of thing when we were talking about them. But uh, Steve, as Glenn mentioned there, I think we all know that uh, yeah, a lot of the chat this week is going to be about that result. But from our point of view, obviously we've come full circle since that. We can go level on points with the Foxes if we win, and of course we're taking a seven-game unbeaten run on the road up there. Yeah, um, I mean we've we've continued our our good good performances away from home. Um, into this season from 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 last time out and yeah I, I don't see any reason why we don't go in with um with a fair amount of confidence as I, as I said uh, last week the their home record is weirdly atrocious and you kind of you kind of look at their look at their team and I mean I know they've they've had quite a few um quite a few injury problems this this season in particular but they're still a side that shouldn't be getting getting beat comfortably at home by both Fulham and West Ham um, and that was at a, that was at a time when West Ham were bad as well. Um, they they went up there and won I think three nil and it was yeah, yeah. I and mean, they absolutely yeah. battered them. Well, Moyes wasn't even there, was he? He was self isolated. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that was so that was yeah. So that was the time when um, yeah Moyes was working from home and they and they won every game. I think, didn't they? But um, yeah, I mean Leicester are Leicester are a good side. Let's let's be honest. But for some reason at home, I don't know whether don't know whether they they're a little bit like us kind of a year ago in that they're they're much happier being a react reactive team um so they want teams to kind of go at them to then leave space in behind which is basically how how they won the title and nobody worked nobody worked out how to stop this for a whole year and then obviously they won the title and they kind of went back into the pack straight after that and weren't very good but it was but yeah that that's that system has, has done them quite well for a period of time i do kind of wonder whether Particularly with the condensed nature of the games, as I mean, as we've discussed, kind of ad nauseum this season, that um, having teams that are happy to defend and and kind of sit quite deep, it kind of doesn't really help help the way they want to play the game. And as a, as a result, they they kind of get a little bit frustrated, make us make a sloppy mistake, um, and end up end up getting punished for it. Hopefully, that that kind of that extends extends as far as Saturday as well with a bit of luck. Something that I forgot to say that I am insanely jealous of Leicester of is their ownership. They seem to be, I mean, you can never tell exactly what goes on behind the scenes, but they, they really seem to be top draw. Obviously, they had the, the guy who died in the helicopter crash and it stayed in his family and they, they just seem to be doing everything the right way. I know they've just, I think they've just unveiled a new sort of training ground. And apparently there's lots of investment in the, the city of Leicester itself and, and, and all this sort of stuff. So they've, um, they've, they've come in from abroad, obviously, with no affinity to Leicester initially. And they, they've actually been a force for good in, in the city as well as the football club. And that's that's something that we haven't really got. 
So I am, I'm very envious of that, I have to say. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. And Dan, that's an interesting question to, to sort of ask you, because um, I, I remember when Glenn and I spoke with Martin, obviously he seemed to indicate that Leicester, in their current position, are, are you know, competing for the top six, um, regularly playing in Europe. You know, the, the way that they're sort of set up as a business is the model that Saints want to get to again now. That's kind of what they're aspiring to. So I suppose I'd almost ask, you know, leading on from Glenn's question there, how far away do you think Saints are from getting to the level that Leicester are in terms of the all-round package of the club? making regular you know big money signings maybe once a year wouldn't help added investment would be would go a long way to to closing that gap I think in terms of Southampton and Leicester where I see parallels are they've got two good young coaches Leicester aren't afraid to you know sign sort of young players as well Southampton obviously do that but that for me is where the the parallels really stop I think Leicester identical stadium yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Different yeah, colour as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that's for me. That that's where the kind of parallels really stop. I think, in my own opinion, Southampton are quite a few years behind Leicester. It obviously helps that Leicester have won the Premier League and the kind of added reach that would give them globally. Southampton just don't have that. It, it comes down. It basically just comes down to how much money can your your football club generate, and Leicester will generate more than Southampton because. More people around the world will know who Leicester are because of that crazy season where they won the league. That's just part and parcel. And they've got an owner who is, you know, happy to invest decent money into that squad and keep improving. And they've got a, a brilliant manager who I, who I personally think is a very good manager in charge. So they're, I, I really, really like Leicester. I, have a, not, I don't have a soft spot for Leicester, but I think they're a brilliant team. And they're one of the ones, if they're on TV and... I'm not up to much. I will certainly put them on to to give them a watch. Mm. I'd say my yeah, uncle lives in Leicester, so I do uh, I do keep an eye out for their scores. And uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't say I'm a massive fan either, but uh, I think you can't help but to be attracted by the way they play. Just uh, finally, Dan. Of course, it's felt like transfer window uh, throughout the pod here. But speaking of Leicester, of course, Saints have been heavily linked with uh, Damari Gray over the last um, few weeks, haven't they? So just to completely finish uh, grilling you on every single possible link tonight. Um, anything in that? Do you think? Well, I was just about to say and. It would help Southampton close the gap if they managed to sign the players that Leicester were in for at the same time. You know, Southampton were admirers of that Castagna in defence. They liked him. Obviously, James Madison, Damari Gray. So, I mean, it would help if they could pit them to the post maybe one of these times to get one of those. In terms of Damari Gray, from what I've been told on that, it, if anything were to happen, I'd be surprised if it was this month. It sounds like that could be a case of let's get to the summer and see where the land lies there. He's out of contract of the summer. Well, it wouldn't, yeah, it wouldn't, wouldn't cost you anything in the summer because he's, no. he's, tw- he's 24 in April, I think. Yeah. So that that's my, you know, the latest information I had on that. And I must admit, I've not kind of chased around Damari Gray for the last sort of seven to ten days. So that could be outdated, but I don't see why it would change too much. If he's desperate to come to Southampton and Southampton are saying, well, let, let's see where we are in the summer. Then if you're Damari Gray, you just sit out your contract at Leicester and then pick a club you want to go to in January and if you're Southampton and you're thinking well there's no point spending money now to to get him we might as well just wait in the summer because he wants to come to us anyway then why would you do that you'd rather just pay a you know of course no player is really free because you have to pay them a signing on bonus so they're going to have to give some sort of fee to Damari Gray if if they choose to go after him so on that as far as I'm aware it won't be anything this month but let's see what it looks like in the summer 
Yeah. Just finally then, Steve, um, on on the game itself, um, ironically, Leicester have lost more Premier League games than us this season. They've lost five, we've lost four, but they have won as many as anyone else and that they've won ten. Um, look, despite the, the break of two weeks, which, you know, to be fair, will help give some of the lads and Ralph a, a bit of a rest and things like that and hopefully assist one or two with uh, their knocks and niggles, um, important to use the Liverpool result as a springboard for this match, do you think? And uh, the other thing I was just going to ask as well is whether you think he'll change it at all because, of course, Ibrahima Diallo had a really fantastic performance, but we know, subject to any injuries this week or anything like that, Romeo's going to be fit again. So a few headaches for Ralph in the selection point of view. Yeah, nice problem to have, given that we've not had a huge amount of um, selection dilemmas along those lines for, for some time now. But yeah, be, be interested to see which, which way he goes on that. I I would imagine that all things being equal, if, if Romeo is is fully fit, then he plays. If he's if he's not fully fit, then maybe you um you hold him hold him back and he, he plays he plays against Leeds. But it's Bear in mind, we're playing against two two teams in a short space of time who are quite high energy. Um, it may well be a case that um, they basically split the workload. One plays one plays ninety on Saturday, one plays ninety the following uh, midweek, and we and we kind of work it like that. Because I think in in the positions that they play, I think having players who are at the kind of peak of fitness and and energy is is kind of ideal for us, really, and especially that Leeds game where they're going to basically try and run us ragged for 20, 25 minutes. Um, as long as we're in the game, then their defence is there to be got at, and we can pick them off. Um, but you've got to make sure you, you're in the game because otherwise you end up doing what Newcastle did and just getting slaughtered on the counter attack, and that's that's not pretty. Yeah. Right. Let's end this week's pod with some uh, predictions for that Leicester game. Then, uh, Glenn, uh, do you want to go first? Yeah, um, I'll. I'm on a roll, aren't I? You are. <laughs> just, yeah, I wasn't going to mention that, but I have again. Um, oh. <laughs> but you really don't care about this. So no, 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 not at, all. not at all. Not <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go for a draw this time. I'll go for a one-all draw. One-all draw. Uh, Steve, I just fancy us with Le- Leicester's dodgy home form, our good away form, which obviously points to a massive defeat. But um, <laughs> I think it'll be another two-one win. 2-1 win brilliant alright Dan what do you reckon this is a nightmare because at first I was going to go for a 1-0 draw then Glenn went for that so I thought okay well I'll be optimistic so I'll go 2-1 Southampton now, now Steve's gone for that um, can we copy people's scores of course you can yeah. of course you can okay I'll go for a um, I'll stay optimistic I'll go 2-1 as well 2-1, 2-1 win. win yeah brilliant alright um, yeah I've got to say I think uh, we've got a really good uh, chance of going up there and getting something as well so uh, I'm feeling quite positive about it so uh, I'm going to go for 1-0 Leicester <laughs> guys i'm danny ings and you're listening to total saints podcast well that's the end of this week's tsp hopefully it's been an interesting listen thanks again to all the tsp patrons who sent in questions for the chaps and to steve glenn and dan for their always interesting thoughts and views we'll be back again next week post leicester city fingers crossed that game goes ahead as planned we'll also be hearing from mr global saints trevor foy and our latest international supporters club so looking forward to catching up with them until then keep safe and well wherever you are big up frank beard and keep marching in
The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.